Last Christmas I gave you my heart But the very next day You gave it away This year Last Christmas I was really sick and almost died Save me from tears I don't tell people because they get weird I'll give it to someone special But I don't think you'll get weird Well, I guess it would be nice Mom? No call, no Twitter Yeah, okay I worry about you Kate, you need to rest more, no. eat better, no. drink less. Oh, she's drinking while. like the pirate. Vino? Bloody hell. Baby! You have thrown away your life working in some silly Christmas shop. Hey, Al, time to sparkle! Because I gotta have the... I'm Tom. Kate? So what is it that you do? I sing. I just can't seem to at the moment. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. Ill, but it felt like I'd lost something special. I had all these dreams. We are so lucky to be alive. Now what? Welcome again to another edition of Stocking Stuffers, and this is kind of a cheat as far as Stocking Stuffers go, because this is not a made-for-TV movie. Uh, we got away a little bit with Happiest Season because it was originally aired on a streaming service, even if it wasn't intended to, but this was a th- theatrical release. Uh, it is a theatrical release from Over the Pond, so I am not qualified to tackle it myself. I have brought on... Uh, some big local guns, if you will. And with me today, from Raiders of the Podcast, not the Lost Podcast, but just the podcast, I have Kevin. Welcome, hey, Kevin. hello. Big guns? Big, big guns, guns, yeah. It's, uh, it means uh, something different in America than it does in England, I'm sure. You guys don't have guns, so, I mean, you know. When I say it, it means something important. That's right. Yeah. Uh Kevin, you do you are a big fan of Christmas movies, are you not? I am, yes, I am. I've uh, sort of subconsciously been working with the same checklist usually mm-hmm. that you use. Nice. Although being less familiar with the geography, I don't always notice Canada in place That's of fair. American locations. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so this time of year I watch lots I always try to have hot chocolate and a mince pie with them. Nice. My waistline swells <laughs> with every viewing. It's all worth it. And it's it's a fun time. It's I think especially as well this year. Mm, it kind of yeah. more than ever there's a feeling that you want that comforting familiarity. Yes, yes. Yeah, just to nestle in with them. Yeah. Well, and I think something that um, that I think is very interesting about you as a film watcher and film blogger and podcaster, I feel like you have similar tastes to me where you kind of genuinely enjoy these types of movies, but you're also a big horror fan. Uh, yes. Yeah. And the problem with that is, I'm sure you know, there are about 100 films now released every year that throw the word Krampus in the title. <laughs> yes. Um, so just avoid all of those. Like you're yeah. actually better just uh, searching through Hallmark and Netflix <laughs> and Amazon Prime and all the different channels for 
the uh, smaller movies, the Christmas heartwarming dramas, than you are watching anything with Krampus in the title that isn't actually Noted. just Krampus. Yeah, there's yeah. kind of I I think with when it comes to horror especially, um, there is something about a hol- Christmas horror in particular. That, and I, I call it like the way zombie movies were a big thing in the early 2000s, late 90s, where anybody with a, a camera could make a really low budget zombie film and sell it. It wasn't that people mm. weren't making movies. It was that they were getting sold. So you would go to Netflix and you would find straight to video zombie movies everywhere because the property itself was so hot that any studio would buy it and show it. And it's similar now to the Christmas movies, right? They make them very cheap sometimes and sell them for distribution. But it's the same with holiday horror movies. I think the last, like, 15 years, if you slapped a Christmas tree or a Christmas pun in your film title as a horror movie, you had, you know, you could sell it somewhere. And there's something about bad holiday horror that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I discovered accidentally that there was certainly at least one british company that had this kind of little cottage industry mm. and they would they would turn out movies it looked like they had the same people maybe for a few weeks but would split mm. things into about three different movies <laughs> which you have to respect to it to an extent because when you can see the eco- the economy of it all um but i would rather i would respect it more if say if say one movie was good and they just knocked sure. out the R two, but all three, yeah, or, or four or however many they do are usually all terrible. Yeah, and that's not fair at that point. Now, yeah. and it's very different from the movie we're tackling today. Is not a cheap movie. This is a movie that like has craft services, right? It's a real <laughs> movie. Like it came out in the theater. Which I, I went to see it in the theater. You saw it in the theater. Even? No, um, because it came out at a really weird time. I think, and it, again, release times aren't always the same between you know uh, North America and, and Europe. But I feel like this came out even well. Like I think this came out in October, and I I say that because I remember posters for it long after it came out that said October. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it was like before Thanksgiving was even on your mind that this movie was in the theaters. Okay. So the timing was weird, uh, but you you went to see it in the theater last year. Yeah, I can't remember when it was released, but I think it sort of had enough legs to keep going closer to mm. the Christmas season anyway. Okay. So it went along, and um, you know, spoiler, really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. <laughs> it, it's. I wonder too if it because it, it did not do well in the states, and I think part of that was the timing. Um, it's mm-hmm. also, I mean, it's a weird movie to market. And I remember um, being so confused because I remember seeing the, the poster art and the like one line description of it and thinking, this is a parody, right? This is li- like when they did those, li- when like Christian Wig did those Lifetime movies, like it just, it seemed like it was supposed to be a whole twist on the Hallmark holiday film. But they, I don't think they knew how to market it because they, they kind of tried to market it both that way and as a romantic comedy. And maybe it's just too weird to have ever found an audience here, but it didn't. And I kind of understand why on that line, because I don't know how you would sell this to a mass audience without either sounding stupid 
or going for something really earnest that it's that it's it is but it isn't i think i'd have to agree with you there yeah it's um it's definitely one that i, I can't I'm glad that it seemed to appeal to quite a broad base here in Britain. Well, mm. from my limited experience of people who enjoyed it in the cinema with me and people who I knew who'd seen it. But, um, yeah, in terms of actually actually selling it, I guess they would probably just be going with with some of the names. And, and considering her other film role choices, Amelia Clark isn't really a name that might be pushed as well as it would if she'd had some more sort of well and i think she's very divisive as a as a film star because i think you have people that have and i think this is also one of those cases where you have a young woman cast on a show that was very male run and Mm. while um to me like the early seasons of game of thrones like yeah there was there was a lot of nudity and and often thrown at her and in the beginning, it felt like, well, this is right. This is what the character, like, we should be seeing this character's boobs. But I remember her giving, like, her getting really tired of it, basically. Because I remember when she did um, uh, Broadway, she did Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I guess there's a mm-hmm. scene where, like, she's in a bathtub or something. And apparently, like, every night, there would be people wooing at that. And, like, oh. as an actor, that's got to really fucking suck that no matter what you do, all people want to talk about is your boobs because you showed them in the first film role or TV role that you had. So I think like she, she's pretty outspoken. I think, you know, where the show took her cat, where game of Thrones took Daenerys certainly put pissed off a lot of people. And I think a lot of people unfairly put blame on her. Um, so there's this very odd, I think sentiment that she, I think in this, I think she's really good. I think she, very much makes a case for her being like a good romantic comedy actress but i think the the problem with romantic comedies is the audience has to you know quote unquote like the lead and i think part of why this didn't do well here is that there are people that for for no good reason don't like amelia clark i think still still holding things against her that are her fault completely completely Uh, yeah well i've I've seen her interviewed numerous times and love her personality and think mm-hmm. she's wonderful. And this, for me, is the first film role that kind of let her light up. Agreed. And I was like, great, she's getting to be the the actual person or the you know the the light that I've seen from her when she's being herself. Yeah. There's something, uh, yeah. and, and I mean, this is a Paul Feig-directed film, and he's yeah. very good at bringing that, you know, kind of capturing that in women. But there is something about these, like, young ingenue actresses where you know, like, once you, like, see them in interviews and stuff, you're like, they're weird. They're smart. They're wacky. Like, they're clumsy. Like, in real life, they seem like kind of goofballs. And, like, Betty Gilpin is one that I think comes to mind that way. Because you watch any interview with her, and you're like, oh, like you're just a weird cool person and it takes a while for the right writers to find that in an actor and let them do that so it's nice to see her get to to finally kind of bring that out here Um, yeah i I mean i'm I'm hoping this tends to find more of an audience i guess now it's on is it on netflix now it's on in here it's on hulu it could be different by Mm. you because i know that that does sometimes change 
But here, yeah. I mean, it came out last year kind of to no fanfare. Um, again, I don't think anybody knew what they were getting or how to talk about it. And it's also, and we are going to spoil it because that's, that's what we do. We're going to go into detail. Right. It's also okay. a movie that Good. has a big twist that is such a big part of the movie. And it's hard to talk about it without talking about the reveal. But, and, and that just makes it tough because you try to sell the film and you, I guess you can kind of do it as like, oh, it's sort of like a bridesmaids meet Hallmark, maybe. Would would have been should have been the way they went with it, but they didn't. They they tried to either call it an earnest movie, or I don't know, because I it's I don't know if it was rated PG thirteen or R. I feel like it might have been R, which is also odd. I I just don't know. We should go into a quick synopsis. So would you like to tell yeah. the people about what happens in this movie and go into as much detail and as much spoilerage as you'd like? Okay, um, Amelia Clark plays Kate, whose real full name is Katarina. She is the daughter of Yugoslavian immigrants. Uh, she has one sister who is in a lesbian relationship but hasn't come out to her parents. And her parents kind of generally stay separate from one another. Her father drives taxis seemingly to keep himself uh, getting some peace mm. and her mother is obsessed with the fact that um, the horrors she saw years ago in her country and um, is kind of generally an over worrying mother um, played by Emma Thompson by the way uh, also the screenwriter yes yeah um, and came up with the story with her husband mm-hmm. Greg Weiss um, who wrote it with Brian Kimmings it's that that's the main family unit then Kate uh, works in a Christmas shop and her boss is the wonderful Michelle Yo mm-hmm. and that's fantastic so is that she is also wanting to kind of get a career up and going with acting singing work on the stage she tends to stay out a bit too late uh, sometimes and make some very, very poor decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um, using up goodwill of friends. And it comes to light that she was ill some time ago and had a, was it a full transplant? Full heart transplant, yes. Full heart transplant, yes. Last and, Christmas. Uh, that's, of course. Uh, that's led to sort of some confusion and her feelings. But she meets uh, the male version of Manic Pixie Girl mm-hmm. oh, totally. in the shape of Tom who's played uh, by Henry Golding, who is such a nice gentleman. He's just, he just a makes dr- all of us gentlemen dreamsicle. go off in a field and bar yeah. ourselves. How is he yes. not James Bond? Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he cool. is just so... He's got that rare thing where you just look at, like... Because you look at him and he's very good looking, but then he starts talking and you're just like, oh, like, I, I'm, I'm on a marshmallow cloud right now. Like, he is so, so charming. It's unfair. He's wonderful. Yeah. So he's uh, he's kind of helping Kate uh, find herself a bit more, take a, a new path, and he helps at a homeless shelter, which Kate starts to become more involved with. And also, I think the strangest part of this, but it is also quite interesting and relevant, is that it takes place around the time of the Brexit vote mm-hmm. in the UK as well, which informs 
the um, attitudes and worries of certain characters. Sure. It's quite the Christmas pudding. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd almost forgotten that. And I'm glad that I'm doing this movie with you, who has a little more insight into that. <laughs> well, it's as I say, I, I think when I when I reviewed this uh, when I first watched it and and mentioned that, I didn't really. It doesn't feel like something that places well within the movie, but because of because of Kate rejecting her own identity in a way and pushing against her family because of her own feelings and the the strangeness of the heart transplant i think it actually works quite well Mm -hmm. but it's still a couple of odd moments in what is you know basically a christmas fairy tale-ish rom-com yeah and i think and that's what because I, I did like this movie. I really enjoyed watching it, but there is a part of me that wants to just tear it apart and put it back together in different ways. <laughs> because I like, and the Brexit stuff is a great example of that. It's there, and it's really interesting that it's there. But it also means in five years when you watch it, it's going to be so dated by that. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But it's. It's such an odd choice. And I think that's also where I fall as far as the wackiness factor goes. Because the big reveal, and again, like I think anybody that saw the trailer saw it and thought, oh, that's the joke, right? Is that Tom is a ghost or a spirit or a figment. Mm-hmm. That he is the man who's, he he was hit by a car last Christmas and he was an organ donor. And so it was his heart that was transplanted into Kate. And so what, what she is seeing, whether it is really this, and the movie doesn't answer that, which I, I didn't mind, um, but that whether it is just the the ghost of this very nice man who, who did ultimately save her life, or that it's her way of kind of figuring things out and she happens to do it through this, you know, um, ghost-like figure, it, it's not really known. But I mean, you you say that out loud and you describe the plot in those words and you're like, that's pretty, that could be really stupid or that's kind of silly. Like, it's it's a lot. And I, I, I think the movie just needed to be a little wackier or a little more serious or something. There is, a, it doesn't fully know what it wants to be. And I'm kind of okay with that because there's something just, and I feel like that's true of most Paul Feig movies. Like Bridesmaids, I love. It's a very imperfect movie. There, there, It's too long. There are things in that that, the same thing. Like you want to reroute certain things to, to make it a tighter movie, but it's still something really special. And I, I think that's kind of where I landed on this one. Well, I think what like most of it is, is I, I, I don't know about you, and I can't even recall if I'd seen the trailer, but I started to piece things together at a certain point. Um, you know, e- even if you hadn't seen the trailer, there's a, a scene where they're, they're having quite a serious conversation where Kate tells Tom um, where her where her sort of feelings have come from and why she is that way at the moment, um, where they're at Tom's apartment. You remember that moment? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, so that that's when I, I think I was in. I was like, I, I clicked and I started to sort of piece other things together. Same with the, the bench and things. But I was caught between 
wanting to roll my eyes so hard yeah. and smack my forehead and also just admire the brazen cheek of it mm-hmm. because totally. when when it uh, when the end credits rolled and my my uh, partner who I've been in the cinema with uh, she'd guess it as well we'd we had a couple of you know cinematic whispers mm-hmm. uh, and then when the end credits rolled it kind of sank in and I turned around and I was like well it is the first line of the song exactly oh and it is <laughs> literal like I was yeah. looking up the lyrics right last Christmas I gave you my heart but the very next day you yeah. gave it away this year to save me from tears looking for someone special uh, once bitten twice shy I keep my distance but you still catch my eye tell me baby do you recognize me well it's been a year it doesn't surprise me I wrapped it up and sent it with a note saying I love you I meant it now I know what a fool I've been but if you kiss me now I know you'd fool me again like it's, it is a literal interpretation of the song and it, like it's exactly like you gotta kind of admire it for going there but I guess yeah. I I don't know I just I wish it pushed in a direction more I wish it was either a little wackier or a little bit more serious or a little or that it played it more earnestly so that it was that much more ridiculous when it was revealed but I don't I don't know and I don't know where if that was a Emma Thompson and her husband decision in terms of the screenplay or if it was Paul Feig it's hard to know but like that's what like there's something unsatisfying about the movie for me because the tone never to me quite quite knows I don't know what I would describe this movie as it's not a black comedy maybe I wish it was I wish it was darker I don't know um yeah I don't and because for me the other odd parts are the way obviously a lot of the soundtrack is George Michael songs sure I'm like did they really need to make that (laughs) Hey man, you pay for them, you're gonna Michael use them. Um, like, I, I don't know, but the um, other than Clark and Golding, who are really good in their roles, if they could have somehow prepared the movie geared more towards Michelle Yeoh, then that would have been awesome. Oh well, sure. Because she is brilliant yeah. for pretty much every moment she's on screen. Yes. Yes. So with that, let's get into the tropes and let's see, because a lot of these things fall in different places. So the first mm. one is our lead in need of a lesson, which, oh boy, do we have a lead in need of a lesson in this case. <laughs> right, she hates Christmas. Um, I mean, she is like genuinely a mess to where I was even getting a... Because I like a messy woman as a character. I think that that's great. That's real. I you know, But there was something mm. I'm like... She's blowing every audition. She's genuinely pissing people off when she didn't have to. She's not locking doors. Like, I was like, oh, she's really trying my patience. But then I really liked the conversation. And I think it's when she has it with Tom. She has this great line that I think I thought was was so interesting when she basically says, like, I was a special kid. I was I was talented. And then I was sick. And now I'm not. And I don't know what to do with that. And I think that's that's very much like true if you've ever known anybody that had like a real real serious illness as a child, like that is something that stays with them because for all of the years of their treatment and everything, there was this sense of you you are special, like all these all you, yeah. you're getting all this attention. But then also, I think it can also kind of be applied to like you know the whole thing that is hurled at millennials and like the you know the, that generation 
is that whole like participation trophy oh everybody told you you were special and you're not like but the truth is like we we all were and at a certain point in life especially in your early 30s or late 20s when you realize like oh i'm 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 not that special what do i do now and i and i think that's also something paul feig is very much gravitates towards as a, as a director so i was i i liked that i i did I mean, I, I think even without factoring illness, I think it's a thing for if children take to something or have a, a natural talent for yeah. something, say it's, um, you know, piano, musical instrument or drawing or whatever, and then so everyone around them always knows, well, that's easy for gift seasons. You're, you're right. getting oh, things totally. for that yeah. and you're doing that. And if they just naturally move away from that, if that's not a thing that, catches fire in their mind then you know as as a kid everyone's known what to get you it's pleasing you and then suddenly you're <laughs> just back to the scarf and mittens yeah set. and that's that's it and again that that specialness can just go away yeah. uh, just because you've outgrown the thing that everyone else associated you with yeah and then the flip of that is when people still like can't forget it and they still will say oh but you you were so good at the cello when you were a little girl yes. like yeah. yeah but now I'm 35 and I don't play the cello anymore like whatever it might be but and then every time you're reminded of that like and, and I know you know I don't think anybody ever means anything bad by it but it certainly happened to me in my life and I know I've probably been guilty of doing it right like oh, you used to love this. Oh, you, I remember when you were in high school and you were in all those theater productions. Do you still do that? No, I don't. I have a job. I have a family, whatever it might be. But every time you're reminded of that, like there is that pang of, oh, should I have tried to do musical theater? Should I have kept playing the cello? Like whatever that thing is, you just always, it's always there. And, I, and this movie very much does that where, you know, Kate was a good singer when she was a kid, when we see her singing, it's it, she doesn't seem like somebody I'd hire for a West End production, certainly. But yet she still like holds on to this thing of like, well, this is what I think I'm supposed to do. And yeah, it's actually it's a very it's a sentiment that we don't see often, and I really like that it's here. I'm liking this movie a lot more as we talk about it, by the way. <laughs> uh, so number two is our setting: Big Bad City, Charming Small Town, Magical Winter Wonderland. Um, it's a big bad city and it's a big bad city we never see in these movies because no American production has the money to fly to London. Uh, I mean, they, they make it look as beautiful as they can it's as well. very clean. Uh, London, I, I was down there, we have the Christmas market in Edinburgh when it's non-COVID times mm -hmm. and I thought that was very nice. I was down in London one year and the Christmas market in Hyde Park is huge compared to the Edinburgh market. I don't think you've really experienced the full spirit of Christmas until it's uh, you know a few minutes to midnight, the park is closing, and about 30 drunken men are singing <laughs> Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. <laughs> nice. As they are being told to leave Hyde Park. <laughs> Very so, nice. That sounds yeah, like this, my kind of Christmas. Definitely. It gives it the, the magical glow. Oh, yes. I, I think it shows it off wonderfully yeah yeah and it's it's so nice to have that change of scenery because you yeah. just we do not get that normally uh now number three is our bland love interest mm. he's not bland 
No. He's so handsome and charming. Oof. Um, I did really like that um, at one point uh, Kate says to him, has anyone ever told you there's something slightly serial killery about you? Which I love because it's what I always say about these Christmas movies is all you have to do is change the music cues and the men in these movies become the villains in Lifetime women in danger movies because they are stalkers they are obsessive they are handsome and terrifying and sociopaths and like that that kind of like it, it could go so like i i have this in the movie on mute in the background just to kind of like have it there as a refresher and they're I've been watching the scene where they're ice skating and he's just looking at her and the camera keeps showing us him looking at her <laughs> and when the sound is off you're watching it and you're like Oh, girl, get away! He, he, like he's bad news. I know he. You think he's charming, but he is going to steal your identity and separate you from your family, and and eventually lock you in a basement and kill you. Yeah, I mean the, the signs are there. He has yeah. he has no phone, or he says he's in a cupboard. Right, he's he has no leading, family. Leading her down dark alleys. Yeah, like and, he, uh, you yeah, can't reach him by just, phone. You can't look him up. Yeah, it, he's a prime candidate. Totally, totally. Now, number five is our montage, which we do get a few of. Um, you know, this is a higher budget movie, so they're a little bit more, um, they're not as obvious about just slapping jingle bells on while we, you know, show people decorating a tree. Um, but there's a few. So there's a busking montage, right? Yeah. Uh, the the doing good montage when uh, oh, Kate yeah. kind of finally turns things around. Um, and then there is my favorite montage, which is go- what I call the ghost Tom montage. Mm-hmm. Right, where we go back and see all the moments in the movie where we're like, oh, he was a ghost. Oh, yeah, he was a ghost. Uh, but I have to say, even though I clicked quite early, I did like, I had forgotten the uh, just the wolf whistles as she was changing the yes. door. Yes, yep, yep. Uh, which is, uh, which is a, a great little moment when it's uh, played back as well. Yep, because in hindsight, you're like, oh, no, she was just standing there naked yeah. right, with nobody <laughs> yeah. in front of her. <laughs> Uh, and then technically the, the end credit credits do an odd thing where, um, so like, I and I don't know, like end credits are always, you know, a decision, right, that every filmmaker has to make is do I do something clever here? Do I do something to keep them in the theater? Do I do something to celebrate my movie? Do I want to change the tone when they walk out the door? And this one does that thing that I've been seeing. I feel like happy, not happiest season. There was another movie this season that I watched that did this where they just kind of like, will re-show scenes from they're not doing the thing where it's like Amelia Clark is Kate and they show a scene of Kate they're just doing replaying scenes from the movie with like a Christmas filter over it and no sound because the music is playing and I thought that was Mm -hmm. an odd choice that I didn't fully understand um I until you'd mentioned that I'd forgotten how the end credits played out yeah because it Uh, it doesn't make sense I think I was still basking in the slight afterglow of mm. having enjoyed the the quirky sweetness of it all. Okay. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I view the end credits as just an accompaniment to you finding the exit right, from right. the cinema sometimes. Um, but I'd, I'd forgotten that. It is, yeah, it, it's not so good when they just do that, though. It's the same thing, but here's a filter over it. Yeah, it was... It was- a choice I didn't fully understand that I'd like to know more. Now, number five is our dead parents or a dead wife. 
I am I crazy? Is this the this might so far be the only film this year that did not involve any dead parents, unless I'm forgetting someone. Did I miss a dead parent or a dead wife, dead spouse? I mean, a dead love interest, which maybe that kind of cancels it out. But yeah, maybe. I mean, there's there's nobody else as a as a main contender. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, slightly disappointing, but you know. And the same with number six, the sassy sidekick. I don't know that we really have one, right? I mean, Kate doesn't really have friends because she keeps alienating every person that helps her. Would you allow Michelle Yeoh to have that role? I, mm, well, maybe, because I would have put her in the evil woman slash boss category, even though she's not. But when we first Mm -hmm. meet her, she's kind of presented as this like hard ass boss figure but then like very quickly we're like oh no she's fantastic yeah because and like she's i don't i would also never call her sassy i think she's way too classy for that like i look at michelle yao and i want to stand up straighter uh yeah um but she has her uh, wonderful moment where she explains the names that she's picked for yes, every yes. job she's had. Yeah, like she's wacky. So there's a bit of sass in the mix. You're right, you're right. That's fair, that's fair. And she does wear pretty big earrings. Oh, I'm, oh yeah, she wears gigantic earrings. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right, you're right. She goes there. Um, I also realized we could throw in the um, the police officers who sort of kind of, the bumbling police officers, the two two women that sort of yeah. keep, you know keep showing up throughout the film, they may mm-hmm. uh, fit there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they are quite amusing. I, yep. I can't remember the phrase that one says. Uh, she makes sound like a threat. <laughs> Is it just have a nice day or something? <laughs> have, have a nice day. Cause... Yeah, she's like, and like the other one's like, you can't say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It's quirky. It's cute. It's it's enjoyable. Um, so that was so yeah. Evil woman, you're right. I would I would move. Mich- I think they introduce her in that category that part but then slide her over uh number eight is slapstick which there's a lot of uh kate just kind of being a mess i think i think she Mm -hmm. gets she gets pooped on by a bird early on um she falls into garbage she bumps her head into tom uh like all those like little things and it it doesn't bother me the way it does sometimes when as a clumsy person um, I do sometimes take issue with bad, clumsy acting because I feel like it's mocking me when some people mm-hmm. are just naturally very clumsy. But yeah, it works for me here. Yeah, and and her falling over on the ice. Oh, of is course. Working because she admits that she hadn't been ice skating before she applied for an audition for an, a show on ice. Yeah, like, and uh, can you really learn how to ice skate in a day? I. I... As somebody who loves figure skating, who is a huge figure skating fan, watches figure skating, can tell you everything about it, I I will never learn how to ice skate. I, I tried twice, and it was a very, very poor, poor showing both times. I have moments where I look absolutely wonderful ice skating. Really? And just between you and I, those are the moments where I'm closest to falling over, and I'm just regaining my balance. Mm. I will spin wherever it takes to stay upright and not have my hands on the ground where I'm convinced skaters will slice over my fingers yep. and I'll be collecting them later. And I end up doing the most marvellous moves and really I'm just relieved that I haven't just gone down and hit this. And I wonder it. if that's the secret. If it's like you have to give in, like you have to give your body into almost falling 
Um, and then stop yourself. Like maybe like you go far enough and you're almost fall that you stay up straight. And by the way, you should be scared of um, people ice skating over you because my mother, who is now, um, I think, she, what year is it? It's 2020. My mom is 70. When she was like five, she went ice skating and somebody ice skated over her hand and she still has a scar from it. So, yeah. Yeah. That will not help me at all. That <laughs> <feeling anxious. laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that to you. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was a different time, right? It was the 50s. They ice skated differently. You'd be fine today, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Better treatment, totally. Uh, now, number nine is the sage old person. And we, I mean, we have old people or older mm-hmm. people, if you will. Um but in terms of, like, who's doling out the wisdom, I feel like it's mostly Tom. You have um, her parents are are there as, like, figures that I think are very important to the story. But I don't know that they ever um, really provide. Am, am I wrong? Do they, do, they, do they provide any nuggets of wisdom that we all look back and say, hmm? I don't think so, really. Yeah. Um, they are kind of the almost like this is a terrible analogy or metaphor but almost <laughs> like the the wall uh if kate was playing squash uh to be finding aspects of herself that's that's they're the squash wall okay i get it that's, I get that's it. what yeah. i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> um i don't think they they are important for how you know things end up rebounding to kate but they don't themselves impart any right. wisdom that I can recall, although they do obviously uh, talk about past events that have affected them as right, well, right. And, and the whole Brexit thing, but no actual wisdom about Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, and then we kind of skipped over her in the sidekick because I don't consider her a sidekick, but just to make sure, we do mention that um, this is now the the third film this year that I'm covering that involved uh, lesbians, which is great. <laughs> yes. Right? We find out her, her sister is gay, lives with her partner, but the parents don't realize that. It's the second film involving roommates that people don't realize are uh, lovers. Um, and, to, and that's... I, I think it's handled well enough. I think there is a kind of very... Again, the wor- I think it's the worst thing Kate does in this movie is outs her sister before when her sister is not ready for that. Um, yes. But it's handled heavy enough where you know that that's not a cool thing to do. So, Yeah, and again, um, Lydia Leonard, who plays his sister, I think her and Amelia Clark, I think their, their sister, sisterly bickering throughout is really good. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and feels really quite authentic. Yeah. And you know she turns up, you know, call mum because if you don't call mum, she keeps calling me. She keeps yes. Calling me. yes. And, you know, I've known people like that. <laughs> know oh, that happens. And uh, they just they really they have their they have their ways for snipping. And because of um, the background and with Kate having, you know, been the one that felt special and there wasn't. And her sister Marta has seen that as well. So, you know, you you just obviously get from that that she was kind of probably, you know, left to the side a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh while, yeah, definitely. Kate was very, very ill. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally see it. 
Uh, and number 10 is Santa Claus. Uh, we do Sadly, we do not have Santa Claus being real, but we do have a character named Santa, which I'll take. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. then on to the bonus round, and number one is public domain holiday songs. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sleigh Ride, Jingle Bells, Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. But I think more importantly... Uh, and it's funny, it's it's so funny, too, to watch, uh, the, like, the end credits where you see the song listings, and you forget how many songs are public domain until you really pay attention to the credits at the end and see how many don't have to credit the, um, what is it? It's like, they, they don't, like, the only credit is, like, traditional or performed by, like, and that's it, because everything else you don't need to have written by. Uh, But I think more importantly, this is a movie that spent money on its George Michael soundtrack, and boy, do they use it. Yeah. Yep. They do not waste a penny with what they paid for it. Um, Now, next, the cloying, cock-blocking child. I don't think we have any kids in this movie, do we? Um, No. Yeah. It would just be the... The kid versions of them seem right, right, right. The I don't even think there weren't any kids in the in the talent show or anything, were there? No, and it was wasn't it supposed to be like a kid talent show or was it just for the homeless shelter? It was for the homeless shelter. Okay, okay. Um, and no, there were no kids. This okay. is a fairly kid free zone. Kid free zone. So if you uh, hate children, so, this is the yeah. movie for you. <laughs> Let's see. And the next thing is ice skating, which we said we have. Um, Canadianisms or signs that the movie was filmed in summer. I mean, you know, she's she's wearing a skirt and a winter coat. And I'm thinking you'd be very chilly in that. But it's, you know, they make it work. They don't. There's no obvious signs of, you know, characters in T-shirts standing outside. Although. No, and bear in mind, London winters, although cold, are, from what I can gather, a lot milder than strong Canadian winners. Got it, got it. Um, and I mean, Henry Golden is constantly wearing a like light trench coat that's opened and he never buttons it. And he's riding his bike, which to me would make you very cold. But he's also a ghost, so I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, rules don't quite apply. Like, as a ghost, I'm probably not wearing long sleeves. It just seems like I would, it would be uncomfortable and un- unnecessary. So then a character with a Christmas-related name, I guess just Santa, right? I don't think anybody, you know... Just Kate or Tom, nothing, uh, we don't, and again, like, that's where I think to myself, this movie, if they were really leaning into the sort of, like, cheesy woman romance, woman in need of a, a, a personality makeover Christmas movies, they could have named her Holly or Noel or something, mm. and, like, I, I almost wish they did, because then it would have had that kind of tongue-in-cheekness again, but, uh well, some some name for her. I don't. Know, I think it would be better going to her sister or friend because Kate does really make sense with the old Katarina thing. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's that, but yeah, there there should have been room for mm-hmm. a Christmas. Yeah, I think it just would have helped me know what it was going for if they leaned into things like that more, but they didn't. And I'm also thinking like. I don't know. Does Emma Emma Thomas um, Emma Thompson does she watch these Hallmark movies? Was she trying to do that, or is it just a coincidence that 
all of these things line up because that's what happens in any kind of Christmas romance movie. I, I don't know. And that's what I'm like left really trying to figure out. So- I, I, you know, knowing, knowing Emma Thompson, it's, it's probably a bit of both because she yeah. seems to, when she works on projects, she knows what she's doing. Right. But if she's bringing her own ideas to the table, uh, she may just think, right, I've done enough to tick certain boxes and now we're going to do this as well. Yeah. Let's see what's left. Uh, Christmas tree lighting, not really. Um, but karaoke, we get I mean, we get a lot of singing and busking, so I'm going to count that. Yes. Our, our sprinkle sound effect. I don't know if we actually get the sound, but we get a lot of the visuals of it, especially in the end credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, the careful balance of red and green and costumes. Um, Santa, you will you have it's I, you don't have it with the romantic couple, right? Because Tom is always wearing like the trench coat and like a muted kind of sweater, but you have Santa in red and Kate as a green elf. So I will count that. Yeah. No. Uh, I don't think anybody bakes. Um, and then the last one being the actor's inability to act with an empty cup- coffee cup or to pretend to eat poorly. Oh, you don't think anyone bakes, and yet there's a lesbian pudding. There's, there, say that, that again? That not a, there's a lesbian pudding. Lesbian pudding? You're yeah. right. There is lesbian pudding. <laughs> we don't get to see it or eat it, though. We didn't see it. We talk about lesbian pudding. It would not count, but... You yeah, know, you're right, you're if, right. If it had... If they'd mm. just taken a moment to let us watch the lesbian pudding being baked. Right. Or them trying to f- not eat it, right? Them <laughs> acting as if they're about to eat it and then hoping the camera cuts away so they don't actually have to take a bite of the lesbian pudding. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's everything there. And I would have really liked a like great moment of Kate holding a Starbucks cup just because it would have been a great Game of Thrones throwaway joke. (laughs) But alas, we don't get that here. I guess they weren't a sponsor on this movie. Uh, But overall, um, did I miss anything? There's one thing that I think I I kind of like still don't know how to feel about because Patty Lapone has a cameo in this movie and she doesn't get to do anything. She's just there as a customer in the Christmas store. Um, mm-hmm. And I got very excited because I'm like, well, Patty Lapone's on screen. What's going to happen? And then nothing happens. So I was a little upset about that. I I mean, the cameos elsewhere as well, they're, they're just quite random. I mean, Patty Lapone yeah. is the only, I, I think, the only singer in there. Well, Andrew Ridgely. Uh, apparently it's somewhere in the audience at the end of the film. Okay. I, I didn't see him, but uh, Peter Serafinowitz, is that how you say his name? I don't know. Uh, is one of the, he's the one uh, saying no at the first audition. Uh, and Sue, Sue Perkins is the one in the lead of the Frozen on Ice. She's the uh, great, great British baking show judge yes, right oh yes, right right yes, yeah yes, uh, that's when i knew i was that's... watching a really british movie that it wasn't just people <laughs> faking being british because i'm like oh no she's like because i just started watching that i know everybody else has watched it for like the last five years but i finally turned it on and i get it like i'm like oh this is like like i don't bake i hate baking um but i've been turning that show on because i i'm like it's so relaxing and soothing and pleasant like i can put it on all day and suddenly my stress levels go down 
So, and it also just feels like, like anything they do now, I'm like, oh, that's how the British do it. This is how people know her now. And I've known her for years and she was, she was half of Mel and Sue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a great female comedy duo. Uh, I can never remember Mel's surname. It's kind of Geardroid or something uh, that I... She's also they're they're both on the Great British Baking Show, yes. right? Okay. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's they're... how that's how little I've seen the Great British Baking Shows. <laughs> they're delightful <laughs> on it. They are they are so fun and just lovable and 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 funny. So I know they're not on it anymore, and apparently that was a big controversy. But I'm like at season two, uh, so I've, I've got yeah. years to go before my heart breaks. But I, I think uh, I mean I don't know is Emma Thompson. Friends with Pilot, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, I feel like I read some some blurb that, um, because this is obviously filmed in London, that, like, she was there doing a show on the West End, and so, like, she stopped by one day. But, I mean, there's enough pedigree in the movie between um, Paul Feig and uh, Emma Thompson that you probably had a lot of, like, strings to pull of. Let me call this person over and see if they could do one scene in this movie um and yeah. it, it never distracts like again for me patty lapone will always make me stop everything and say patty lapone but that's me uh aside from that i think it's balanced in terms of casting i think like you have people that could overwhelm things and i don't think they do i think like at the heart of this movie it is it is uh, amelia clark's story um mm-hmm. and i appreciate that and i think it's like it yeah, it, it's not a perfect movie. I think this has a lot of different flaws to it. But I think the more we've talked it out, the more I'm really on its side. It's, yeah, I mean, the, the sort of... How many times have I watched now? A couple of times after, after that cinema viewing. And I find more to enjoy in it. And... I'm also not looking out for something that I was that first time mm. because, as I say, I didn't know there was a twist, and then I started to get a feeling about something being up, and then you're looking out for things, so you can just enjoy it, and it's so, it, it's actually so delightful in most of the scenes with Amelia Clark and Golding, uh, who the, like the such a a great lead couple mm-hmm. yeah they have a uh, lot of chemistry well to go. yeah yeah um so i i really hope i don't know what she has lined up next but i hope there's you know maybe not necessarily in this vein but i'd really like amelia clark to get more roles that that do let her sort of yeah interesting things yeah shine through yeah or or get something uh, as you say, interesting. It lets her sort of show more facets to what she can do, rather than slotting her in as oh, the girl from Game of Thrones yeah. is in this, or this is a blockbuster, and we're giving Amelia Clark a part that we're not yeah. sure if she's a fit for. But it's Amelia Clark, right? Right? Yeah, she she was Daenerys, so she can be Sarah Connor. Not necessarily yeah. like, yeah, no. And you also need to put her in a better Terminator movie if you're going to make a Terminator movie. But yeah, she so. And it's tough, too, I think, for a lot of actors, or rather, I'm going to say actresses, because I don't think the men have the same uphill battle. I think for a lot of women who end up 
playing and especially in tv because tv you see them more and you grow more accustomed to seeing them a certain way but when they end up being cast as you know this sort of royalty magic princess it tends to be really hard for any for for audiences to accept them in contemporary roles and i, I mean emma thompson kind of went through that helena bottom carter totally did right for years everything she did she was in a corset and it was jarring to ever see her play like it, you know an actor play a character who was in the year 1999 or whatever it might have been and mm. with amelia clark like she was you know her face was on giant billboards her you know i i have an action figure of her in my apartment like that's really tough for you to look at her and not see daenerys targaryen and it's a lot of times some actors i think sometimes like make the mistake of trying to go too far and just doing only doing um uh projects that are completely opposite that um but sometimes they have to and i and i think this is a really good role for her and it makes me see like oh no she can act like she does have range and she she really sparkles on camera and there's something here and i i agree i hope she really gets more interesting opportunities like this to play different women and complex women yeah i mean despite what you could dismiss as the fluffiness of this film uh certainly on the on the surface and, and mostly through it um it it allows her to it shows that she has presence mm-hmm. that even even when i'm one of the few people who quite enjoyed solo and was you know, didn't mind Amelia Clark in it. I can't say she had much presence mm-hmm. in Solo. We are on the same. God, I remember nothing about Solo. <laughs> Solo, I saw it in the theater, and uh, all I remember is Donald Glover flipping his cape. That's all I walked out of that movie with because I was so bored for most of it. I and yeah, I don't blame her for it. I blame her, you know. And just get yeah, this. This this shows her having presence, which yeah. is which means you can look and be like, yes, she, you know, she is a star. She can be a star. Yeah. Give her star parts. Give her give her a variety of parts, and let's see what she can be doing in different roles. Yeah, and it also reminds me that um, Paul Feig or Feig Feig. I have no idea how to say his name. I just pick one <laughs> way. Sometimes it's like either or either. I'll say them interchangeably. But I think he is, I don't know that he's ever made a perfect film. I mean, Spy might be a perfect film. But he he really does seem to know how to bring the best out of women and get great comedy roles for women. And really every one of his films that I can think of, and this is true of, um, oh, it's true of Bridesmaids, it's true of Spy. What's the one with... Um, uh, uh, Henry Golding and Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, the A Simple Favor. Oh, like, a Simple Favor. He, I mean, he just like his women are so great, and some of the some of the actors that he's worked with, I say, I like, I have never seen Blake Lively be that good until I saw that movie and said, oh, she can act, like she actually can act. Um, and that's kind of the case with Amelia Clark here, where I I think she he did tap into something from her that we had not seen before in most of her stuff so yeah make make our christmas heroines more interesting give them flaws let them let them actually grow 
in in ways that are or, or organic and weird and sometimes involve ghosts. Or maybe you have to create, you know, a number of different movies that are based around pop stars who started off in the <gasps> 80s. Oh my god. Can we talk about to now I'm pitching it. Let's so I mean Let's think of all the Christmas pop songs that came out and make uh, do one of these movies up. Like, um, I guess, So This Is Christmas, right? Which is one of the worst Christmas songs. Let's do a movie of that. Uh, I, you know, you said Mariah Carey before. Why have, I, I'm sure we've gotten um, all, movies called All I Want for Christmas, but can I get a movie specifically about that song come to life? Well, didn't she narrate the, I think it was some animated one. I'm sure I've watched <gasps> I think you're it. right. And I think it's like Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. It may have been about a puppy. I can't recall. (gasps) Oh, oh. Well, we can always have part two, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, you could do. Um, Or, you know, the the big, I don't know if it was a big hit over there, but I wish it could be Christmas every day would be easily just transformed into Groundhog Day at Christmas. I was going to say, well, we've had those. We've had like, you know, we get like two of them every year. Right, yeah. we get the liar liar every year. We get a Groundhog Day Christmas movie every year. Like, we so yeah. We could do a good one, and we could put Amelia Clark in it. Uh, okay, okay, I'm with you. Sure, why not? Yeah. All right, so I guess in summation, I think we both recommend this movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I, I, it's a weird one. It's a really weird one, but I'm really glad I finally watched it. And I would totally put it in the cozy cardigan world. It just happens to have a bigger budget and have come out on screens um but yeah it's a good time now kevin if the people at home want more of you and your rugged big gun voice where do they go to find it (laughs) they can scour the darkest recesses of the internet and you can read my ramblings i'm pretty sure i managed to get something daily on my blog which is for ismansnumber.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to put out our podcast weekly. So that's Raiders of a Podcast. And it's on um, it's it's Apple Podcast now. It's not iTunes now, is it? Is it, is it not yeah. iTunes? I've been saying I, I, iTunes. I'm so out of it. I have def- well, Every time I tweet, because I, ne- I never... I, I'll tweet for the show, and I do it really very rarely. I always say now live on iTunes. Am I am I not supposed yeah. to say that? Is that is that what the old people say? It's, it still is, but they've broken everything up, so it's <sighs> now. I believe it's now Apple because you get Apple Podcasts and Apple Music now. Ah, uh, uh, fascinating. You know. um, and I'm like so. I use the Instagram and the, the Twitter is uh, Raiders of the Pod and my own Twitter is Salt Tired Popcorn. Not salted popcorn that everyone mispronounces it as, but Salt Tired Popcorn because it was a pun using popcorn and the Scottish flag being the salt tire. I never, I always just thought it was salted popcorn. Didn't know that because I'm like, hey, I like, I mean, I put, I don't put salt on anything but my popcorn. So that makes sense. Fascinating. What a window uh, yeah, in, into the world I had today. It was it was a pun based on those nice, two things. Nice, nice. 
Uh, well, I, I hope we brought in some of our listeners' horizons to the great country of Scotland. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Um, with that being said, I guess everybody just also be really careful when you're riding a bike in a city because you might get hit by a car and it's wonderful if you're going to be a heart donor and give out your organs to Amelia Clark, but it also means you're going to be a ghost. And I don't know how fun that really is deep down. So look both ways and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas Let your heart be light From now on all troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away Here we are as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more Through the years we all will be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star upon the highest